This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app of participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome to Went to Mode Kings Bella, the podcast that follows the fantastic Chelsea FC women's team. Uh, now, after a tense match against West Ham in the FA Cup, the prospects of Manchester United at Stamford Bridge could have left some fans worrying. Uh, they shouldn't have done because Chelsea took no time at all to get, take the lead through Lauren James in just the fifth minute. This was extended uh, shortly after with Lauren James getting her second of the game as Chelsea were in cruise control against Mark Skinner's Reds. However, uh, a bit of a slip at the back allowed United back into the game. And after growing in confidence, it seemed as though this was going to be a tight finish as well. But then Lauren James stole the show to make it 3-1, a uh, second Stamford Bridge hat-trick. Uh, now, according to our good friend uh, Harry Edwards, the highest scoring Chelsea player at Stamford Bridge, and that is for the men and the women, uh, despite Lauren James playing just three games uh, there this season. Uh, it means Chelsea's... Point lead over United is now 10 points, meaning that the title is out of the equation for them. Uh, and while they are skinner out, we are definitely skinner in at uh, Wentham Kings Meadow. Uh, this is episode number 116, titled simply Lauren James is Magic. Uh, and obviously, I'm your host, Dean, and joining me this week are um, a regular now, I think I should call him Mr. Simon Kingman. Simon, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, Dean. Evening, Dean. Evening, Harry. Um, evening, everyone. Good to be back. Nice little break, but yeah, glad football's back. Yeah, and back on the show after a long time, too long, really, which is all my fault, um, Mr. Rob Prattley. Rob, good to see you, mate. Yeah, pleasure, pleasure to be back. It's uh, It's been Christ, at least a, possibly a season. It feels like it's been a long, long time. Yeah, I saw Rob selling. I was selling the fans, and I saw Rob, and I thought, why has Rob not been on the podcast for so long? And then um, he disputed my player of the match poll, uh, which <laughs> upon, but welcomed. Um, and I, he took me off on my offer, and so gladly Rob is here with us. Uh, now, remember, you can listen along live to the show on Mixlots, mixlr.com, uh, and search for Went to Kings Villa. Uh, if you sign up, for an account that you can join in the show by posting on the live chat page, as Buffer and Ben have already this evening. Um, so join in as we go, give your views, and I'll try and put them across uh, in the show as well. And if you are listening on the new Wetsmo Kingmelo platform uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, 
uh, why not leave us a lovely little review about how great we are um, and it will help that um, really kick on. Now, on the show tonight, in part one, we're going to view that win over Manchester United. Uh, and in part two, uh, we're going to talk about the Stamford Bridge game, uh, what the club did around it this time, the lessons that they've learned and um, whether this was the best game yet. And uh, look a bit at the transfer news that has come out today, um, especially with Rob on the show. It would be silly not to. Uh, and we're going to do all that after this. Straight into the action, then the lineup: Hannah Hampton in goal, uh, Ashley Lawrence, Keisha Buchanan, Nathalie Bjorn, uh, and Neve Charles in defence. Erin uh, Cuthbert and Melly Lewipoles in midfield. Uh, Guru Wright and Lauren James, and you had a written camera behind me, official up front. Uh, Emma Hayes used just three of her subs uh, for this game: uh, Niskan on for Fischel in the fifty-fourth minute, Carter on for Buchanan in the seventy-seventh minute, and Frank Kirby on for Lauren James in the eighty-ninth minute. Uh, that left Chichiro Mizovic, Sophie Ingle, Iv Perise, Maramiada, Yelena Chankovic and Aggie Beaver-Jones as unused subs. Uh, Stats-wise, Chelsea with 56 per possession, 20 shots, 5 on target, 7 corners and 5 fouls to Man United's 44 per possession. 9 shots, 4 on target, 2 corners uh, and 7 fouls. Um, and Simon starting with that lineup. I mean, last week we spoke about maybe thinking West Ham was going to be the one that Hampton started. And Mizovic for this one, it was the other way around, but... I've got to say, Emma's got it spot on. Yeah, um, we sort of we were speaking about it on the train, and um, can't remember who it was now. I think it was Verity had said about Hannah Hampton, and I was really, really pleased that she did. I, I think she's um, she's a fantastic goalkeeper. I think she's got everything that the others have got. I mean, we've spoken about it before, haven't we? Berger being a great shot stopper and Muzovic playing with her feet. But Hannah Hampton seems to be a, a combination of the two of them. I think she's uh, she's fantastic. I love her attitude as well. Sort of the video of her um, dancing when she'd given away a corner and the ref had given it as a goal kick. And I, I, I think she's got this, I don't know, arrogance, cockiness about her that I really, really like. Yeah, there is a confidence and a, a swagger to her. She made it mm. great saves in this game. Uh, I, I didn't see the Bristol game, but I watched the highlights and she made a few good saves uh, in that one. Chelsea men have equalised. Oh, Sorry oh, for the interruption. Oh. <laughs> we allow it for good news um, if you are watching the men's team. Uh, who scored, sorry? Armando Bro, a brilliant ball by Chilwell and then it was cut back across, I think, for Raheem Sterling and it gave... It, it's been given as a house and own goal, but I think it came off Broya, so... Let's see the replay. One for the dubious goals panel then. Yeah. Um, Where was I? Hampton. Yeah. And what I also sort of from this game, Rob was her strength in her kicking, which you know she was able to really get the ball down the pitch pretty pretty far down the pitch with her kicks. Um, Confidence making the saves, and you know, a question that sort of I think people are asking now is whether Emma Hayes has found her number one. Yeah, I mean, I. 
again, I'm quite lucky in that I had quite a lot of insight into this transfer in the summer. And I can say for a fact that as soon as Hannah Hampton became aware that Chelsea was on the table, pretty much every other offer, even places where she was guaranteed to be number one, was off the table. She is a like you know is very much someone who has always seen herself as being a number one at a top club. She does have something of a very special affinity for Chelsea. Um, I like the reactions you are seeing are genuine. She really really likes the club and she made it very very clear in the summer that even if she was going to join like uh, you know the, the phrase someone sort of used me was that she said if i you know, end up being third choice and i could be third choice for a while i'll be third choice for a while then i'll become second choice because i'll train so hard i'm gonna have to be second choice. then i'll get a chance and when i get a chance i'm not losing the jersey and while i do know emma's rotation policy is you know unpredictable when it comes to goalkeepers i do think increasingly you're going to see hannah hampton get shots because as was sort of Simon said earlier, she's got a bit of everything, and I think the kicking element of it is something that we, with um, with Musovic, is one of the real benefits you have of the fact that Chelsea can just play the ball over the top and put balls in behind, um, especially sort of for the quicker strikers or play up to the sort of centre forwards, and I think Hampton has that ability to do that brilliant sort of flatter goal kick that is high enough for defenders not to be able to cut it out, but it's low enough for it to sort of come down and it to be easier to bring down. And sort of easier to flick on, and I think that's you know it's a quite a weapon in the arsenal. Yeah, I suppose uh, she gets that from her uh, days at was she at Villarreal as a kid? Uh, Valencia uh, was it Villarreal? It might be Villarreal when she started. She 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 was educated in Spain, and yeah, she does like her kicking element of it. So again, it's something important big. Yeah, so she should be good uh, with her feet if she started in Spain. Uh, then obviously the other thing, Simon, from the team news before we look at sort of the action was uh, me official starting. Uh, was to be probably expected after the impact she made off the bench against West Ham. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, uh, probably more a mere official game than putting Aggie in or putting Lauren up top. Didn't think she did a lot, to be honest with you. I think she sort of I've done struggled with it. A different sort of game for her. Maybe she's more sort of hold-up player, isn't she? Whereas we were sort of putting crosses in and, yeah, yeah, seems seemed very quiet. Yeah, I mean, Rob, she's not one to sort of stretch the defence, so to speak. You want to play to her directly. Um, that I, sort I of felt a little like bit sorry for Fisher. Yeah, I felt a little bit sorry for Fisher because I think the fact that, like, Chelsea got the ball down and in the opening 35 minutes. I think they played some of the best passing football I've seen at Stamford Bridge in a long, long time in terms of the speed and pass of movement. Um, I just think that Fischl maybe to a little point was a little bit sort of off the speed of it, but also so much of it was being done with sort of balls in the uh, sort of along the ground and sort of uh, playing in and around and sort of dribbling into the intricate areas, working in the intricate areas. And Fischl is more of a sort of classic centre-forward and that she is a presence up there. And I did sort of remark that, you know, about two minutes after she came off, I think it was Wrighton put a... No, it was Lauren James put a phenomenal ball in that Wrighton was a... No, Wrighton put a phenomenal ball in for, that Lauren James was on the end of. And it just sort of went just over the bar um, with her header. But I sort of remarked that was the sort of service that Fischl didn't get all game. And... Um, I get the feeling Fischl's the sort of centre-forward where if you give her that sort of quality service from the wide area, she's going to score. But if you don't give her that, she looks a little bit isolated at this moment in time. And I also do think, you know, to, to an extent it was, 
you, you have to sort of play to your conditions. Like ultimately, because Lauren James was just ripping United pieces every single time she got the ball, and I, I personally thought Canarid also was having a really good game, um, getting in and exploiting the space. That that just isn't something that's in Fischl's arsenal because she's not naturally that speedy. Yeah, so as you're saying it, remembering that cross going in and thinking you want Chelsea men used to do that all the time, take off the striker, then start crossing the ball into the box loads. Yes. Um <laughs> which yeah, but I don't get paid to coach football, so maybe I'm doing the wrong. Um but Simon it was, you know, as we we spoke about this last week on the show against West Ham, you know, it was a bright Chelsea start. Um, you know, on the front foot, something that perhaps in the past they haven't done, but this year seems to be the method for choice. Uh, and we got the goal after five minutes, and it was all created by Hannah Ritten Cameron, as Rob just mentioned, who for me had Blundell on an absolute toast all game. You know, she got past it every time. She's fantastic at the moment. Seems to be sort of every single game she's putting in a, a fantastic performance. And I've noticed a lot of the um, like social media content. She seems to be growing off the pitch as well as on it. Seems more confident in herself. Which I suppose they both go hand in hand, but uh, yeah, brilliant player, absolutely brilliant player. Yeah, and well, I suppose she's sort of stepped up in the absence of Wrighton, who has had that sort of a bad injury and bit of a slow return in terms of you know providing goals and assists. Yeah, precisely that. I mean, I. I... I thought last year, again, I sort of said last year when someone asked me in the summer which player do you want to see more of, I said Joanna Ritten Canard because there's so much to like about her and there was so much to like about her last year. She's direct, she's pacey, you know. It was just that little bit of self-confidence I think was lacking. And I think it was the Brighton game I was at earlier this year at Kings Meadow. She came on as a substitute at half-time in that, at the game at 1-1. And Emma put her out on the right wing and obviously just told her every time, go be a classic touchline winger and just, you know, get to the byline, beat the player, put the cross in. And you could see the confidence was growing in spades and spades and spades. And I think now she's got some of the goals, she's got some of the assists. I, I think you were right about Hannah Blundell. I, mean, I-, I really like Blundell as a player. But one thing I will say with Blundell is she also, in the way, is a bit of a confidence player as a fullback in that if you beat her the first time, she does seem to struggle mentally with getting back into it and getting back. And, you know, Canaridge was just ripping her to bits and bits and bits. And... Uh, you know, I think it's also helped her that fact that you know one of her best mates is now joined the club in Natalie Bjorn, and from someone I know who knows her very well, they've said she's a lot more settled now. Last year, she struggled really to settle a little bit in London. It was sort of you know a big change, a real culture shock for her, and at times I think maybe she underestimated sort of how good she was and whether she deserved to be in with the squad. That, the squad, and now I think she firmly believes and realizes that yeah, she's plenty good enough to play for this football team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think we underestimate that as supporters sometimes. You know, they're not just moving to a new club, it's a new country, you know, new languages and everything like that. And it, it does, you know, take a long time to to settle in some cases. And we're seeing the best of her now, which is great. Um, and then we'll get to the, the second goal now, Rob. You mentioned uh, Natalie Bjorn and it was her pass to Lauren James. Um, she's had an incredible impact in just one sub appearance and one start. Um, seems to be a real coup for the club to sign her. Yeah, I mean, again, um, I was quite lucky to be quite early on this uh, transfer because someone made, someone told me it was happening and I was like, great, I, I love the business. I think she's going to be a great squad player. But I then also spoke to someone else who, you know, Mia Eriksson, who is the facto, you know, Oracle on Swedish players. And she said, you know, Bjorn won't be a squad player for you. She'll be starting. 
And we had a very long conversation. He said, you know, Bjorn's very good at this, but one thing she's especially good at is her passing range, which is something Chelsea have lost with Magda no longer being there. And I was like, actually, you know what? You make fair points. Um, and well, what was quite funny, actually, was that she actually tried the exact same pass about maybe a minute beforehand to Guru Wrighton, and she overcooked it, and it went out. And uh, you could see after that, it was, she sort of, sort of tried the pass, she overcooked it, and then after that, she uh, responded and sort of, you know, did the thumbs up. It wasn't a, it was a good idea. But United didn't learn from their mistakes, because all it just meant was they pulled the line slightly higher up. And as soon as that line was at, was that high, it suddenly meant that, you know, it was really, really easy for um, sort of Bjorn to play it in over the top. There was a lot of space. If we're being really critical, you'd say your goalkeeper should be coming and sweeping that up. But, you know, because it was, uh, you know, in favour of us, I'm all happy for Mary to stick on our line. And th- this is the big thing, I think, with Lauren James that everyone wanted to see, you know, last year. And people started to talk about last year that there's bags of talent there. It's the end product at times it was lacking. And now you're getting the end product. You're just seeing how devastating she can be. You know, you're talking about the sort of player that, Every single time she's going into games at the moment, you're thinking there's a goal here, there's an assist here. And even in, you know, you will have matches like West Ham where she'll have a lot of efforts. Some of them will be very wild and, you know, you might be a little bit frustrated. But ultimately, you can't be too mad at it as a manager and as a fan because you know you've got the ability and you've got a player who can do something like this and just single-handedly take apart an opponent. Yeah, sort of that, you know, the hazard factor, I call it, you know, can grab the game by the scruff of the neck. And, and yeah, get exactly. You know, I said last week on the show, you know, if she was saving it for this weekend, you know, then I'm all for that. And she obviously did um, because she didn't struggle to hit the target in this game. And it was, you know, I think it was Blundell was a bit behind her line that allowed Lauren James to run in that in that space, Simon. And when we see Lauren James in that sort of more of a 10 role sort of inside forward, I think that's where we get the best of her. Um, and not to blah load on Lauren James too early because I want to give her a hype at the end, but. Uh, great pass and a great goal, a great move from Chelsea. Fantastic. Like I said, the pass. I, I didn't sort of appreciate the pass live. It wasn't until we, we sort of just flicked through it and watched the goals again when we got home. Just what a fantastic pass that was. But Lauren James, oh my God, she just makes playing football look so easy. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I think it's the the passing range we've missed with Millie being out, and then sort of perhaps with with Sam Kerr not playing, United thought they were safe over the top. Um, more for them, um, but you know, Mark Skinner knows what he's doing, and he won't be told any different. No, yeah, he's a he good boy, Skinner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it seemed Rob that Chelsea were in cruise control, um, but we did allow United back in the game. Bit of a weak defending. It was right, and then Cuthbert, and then Charles allowed. Uh, can you say in behind? Uh, Buchanan obviously doing well to block Garcia's shot, but a uh, lad was quickest to react. Um, you know, can you say it was a real threat for United uh, for that period where they got that confidence from the goal, wasn't it? Yeah, JC is such a weird, weird footballer, and I, I think it's every time I watch her because, again, there's so much to like about the player. Uh, pacey, direct, can dribble, but. At times, it just feels like she's not, I don't know what the right word for it is, sort of up for it. And you see moments like that where, you know, she went up against Charles and had Charles on post for that chance. But there was one of the other ones that's earlier stuck out to me in the half where she tried to dribble around Erin Cuthbert, failed, then tried to tackle Erin Cuthbert after Cuthbert had tackled her, failed with that, and then tried to foul Erin Cuthbert by pulling her down and couldn't even do that. Um, But yeah, it was a shame, actually, because it was a phenomenal block by Buchanan. And... I sort of said, you know, 
what almost what you sort of needed there, 99 times out of 10, you almost want that ball just to drop to another defender to clear it away so you can appreciate the quality of the block. Um, but unfortunately, it did just fall, you know. I, I don't think, again, you can really blame Hampton for it. It fell to someone in Lad who, although she isn't actually the most technical of players, she can wallop a football. And there was no way from there she was going to miss. Um, and it, yeah, it was a, a strange sort of period because United didn't really do anything at all before that, save the sort of one cross shot from uh, JC. They they didn't really do anything, and it was bizarre. I'm not really sure why they sort of played that way, seeing as that you know Chelsea played very very well, but I also think United being so passive allowed them to do it. Whereas in the FA Cup final, they started so quickly, and I think it spooked Chelsea a little bit. And I almost think Chelsea, you know, because they didn't because they started so well and they got the early goal, it kind of spooked Man United a bit. They've got such a poor record at you know against the top sides and against the likes of. Oh, it's 2-1 to the men uh, on aggregate, 2-0 on the night. Enzo Fernandez just scored. I think it did scoop them. I think it spooked them a little bit because uh, they've got such a poor record and obviously they had the derby result earlier in the season. I think they just thought, you know, here we go again. Yeah, I will say your stream's a lot faster than mine because Enzo's nearly halfway line. Nah, well... Oh, he's in the box I now. was just going to say that, yeah. yeah <laughs> you said it and then sort of, yeah, two minutes <laughs> later you can hear the screams from the telly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how Rob knows everything because he streams. Oh, now just come <laughs> Yeah, we I mean, know, we know. we've got a faster stream. Yeah, I mean Simon, from where I sit, obviously next to Emma Hayes' dugout, not in it, next to it. Um, <laughs> you could tell that United's game plan was to get um, the right back. Um, I've forgotten her name now. Jade Riviera. Yeah. Yeah, Rivia down the right hand side behind that space where Wrighton's obviously doesn't really do her defending too much, um, which obviously is allowed. Um, overload Charles and attack from there. You could tell he was screaming at her to get forward all the time um, in his Mark Skinner way. Um, and then obviously it, it wasn't really working. They changed it the second half, went through sort of Lawrence, and there was two big moments. One was against Ella Toon, uh, which was a great tackle by, by uh, Ashley Lawrence. And then the one on Galton, which Skinner went absolutely crazy when the ref didn't blow for this. Um, what's the, Jonathan Pierce on who was doing the commentary for Sky was adamant it was a penalty. Um, it looked like a penalty from where I was sat. The replays are unsure. Um, what would you take on that one? Because Toon obviously was a great tackle. But Galton, have they got a shout or not? Um, seeing it there, it looked like a coming together. Um, it was the two one, wasn't it? I, I remember seeing that and thinking, God, she's just messed that completely up too, because she just wasn't in the game at all, was she? And then saw the replay, thought what great tackle it was. Um, the second one, it's difficult, isn't it? It was contact when you watch it back. Farrah Williams said it wasn't, didn't she? You see that bit? And she said even if there was VAR, it wouldn't have given it. I don't know. Sometimes they're given, sometimes they're not. If it's given against you, you're disappointed, aren't you? But then if it's given for you, they got what they deserved, didn't they, in the end, Man United, really? Yeah, I mean, Rob, it's one of those, I think, if it's right and through and goal and it's the United fullback giving her that there's an arm on her, you're thinking, you know, penalty for me, please. And then when it's against us, I'm thinking it's a bit soft. Yeah, I mean, I... Live seeing it because again my season ticket is at the absolute other end of the ground. Seeing it live, I was looking at it and I thought, oh, that's a stonewall pen. 
because it looked like she just shoved her over. But seeing it again more, it looks like a natural sort of bit of contact. I will say that using um, Farrah Williams as a barometer for it is probably not the best one, seeing as I think, you know, Millie Bright could shoot someone and she'd tell you it wasn't a penalty for Chelsea. Um, such is the, uh, her uh, her level of love for the club. <laughs> but uh, I, I do love Farrah Williams. But I will say at the other end, the one I thought that we probably should have got, I think, you know, this also evened it out, was the Maya Letizia challenge on Lauren James, which... Uh, you know, I saw the beautiful report. His excellent tackle. It wasn't an excellent tackle. She just sweeped her legs from her, and you know, Lauren James turned in, turned her inside, and turned her in and out like a kipper. And all she just did was sweep her legs from her. Um, but yeah, you know, even sort of Stevens. I, I, I think ultimately, I don't think the referee was great all game. I think there were a couple of decisions where on both sides players were lucky to avoid yellow cards. But ultimately, nowadays I go into WSL games. You know, as long as the referee isn't the main talking point, then. I'm sort of quite happy to come out of that. And I think, you know, being honest, I spoke to some of the United fans afterwards and they said, well, you know, yeah, there was poor decisions, but even still, the game was sort of lost after 30 minutes. You can't go away to Chelsea and give them a 2-0 lead. And I think, you know, that ultimately proved true. Yeah, although having said that, you know, United had the chance to make it 2-0 uh, not long after that. Um, a good credit to Hampton. It was a great save coming out to, to close the shot down from, from Ladd. Uh, and then the second bit of praise... Um, Rob to Emma Hayes, who immediately took off Buchanan and put on Jess Carter, went to three at the back, and it completely changed the end of the game, didn't it? Yeah, I think, yeah, you know, ultimately, I'd sort of felt, you know, Buchanan was a little bit unlucky there because she was, um, like looking sort of tired, and I sort of was saying, you know, this is looking like we need to make a change. And the other one I'll say, I think Emma got spot on was bringing Nuskin on when she did. She had Nuskin warming up all of half time, and she sort of said, um, you could sort of see her saying to her, you know, I'm going to bring you on if we can't get control and don't get control of the midfield. And you could see that, I think, you know, the ball's played up to Fischl. She missed her chance. She missed the chance to bring it in. And Emma immediately had Nuskin and said, you know, right, get ready and come on. And because they did that, it, you know, Nuskin in that weird box crasher role, she's just really disruptive, isn't she? She just somehow seems to end up absolutely everywhere. And it's sort of like having a sort of slightly taller, slightly slower, but slightly taller cuff, but sort of 10 yards up the pitch, where she just seems to just end up being really, you know, disruptive of everything. But yeah, I think Carter coming on, it really worked very well because it suddenly meant that, you know, United's overload that they had by, I think Rachel Williams got chucked on around the same time, um, wasn't sort of really working. And Jess is a very good defender. Like, you know, even, even though I thought she had a poor game at West Ham, you know, a poor game for Jess Carter is sort of something I'm talking about once sort of every 20, 30 matches. It's not something very, very common. And usually it's followed by a spate of very good performances. And I think, yeah, we'll, we'll go back to seeing that now. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned that last week. You know, she's one of the only players, along with Neve, that hadn't missed in a minute until she got subbed off at West Ham. Um, so maybe, you know, players do need a break every now and then. And, you know, Neve obviously missed that game through suspension. Come back and, and did pretty well in this one. And, you know, Jess will be in, obviously, the team against Real Madrid because uh, Bjorn can't play in the group stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we expect to see good points from her, but, you know, Simon, it just seemed to settle the team down when Jess come on and swept, you know, the, the wing-back sort of helped. And then Chelsea sort of went back up a couple of gears, didn't they? They did, yeah. Um, you can sort of, yeah, cause a bit of debate where we were sitting. It was a couple of us really like her, a couple of us didn't like her performance so much. Um, I was a bit worried, I must admit, when they brought Rachel Williams on because I know she scored a few sort of late 
winners equalizers so but obviously it didn't happen but yeah Jess fantastic player as well always start for me really yeah it'd be interesting to see after this you know for the Brighton game maybe you know the Cannon's done very well uh you're obviously into the team really well and Jess has been a permanent fixture all season you know whether they play all three of them or what two will be the partnership um I would expect probably Bjorn and Carter. Um, yeah. I remember, but we'll see. Um, Tough choices. Yeah, that's what she get pays for until um, right. May. Anyway. That's what we uh, like. Yeah, and then we'll move to the third goal, Rob, because you mentioned Luskin and she played a part in this one. It was actually the second Chelsea goal scored after a Marriott's goal kick, uh, which yeah. I'm sure will please Emma Hayes. 3-1 um, to the man. No, Axel Zazzi has just... Gina Walsh just kicked back. it out, mate. It's a throw-in. <laughs> no, Axel Dezazi has just channeled his inner Rudiger and scored. <laughs> he's just ended up going through the halfway line to like be involved in the move to score. No, he's just got the ball. There you go. <laughs> Pass. I think Chelsea might score him. Yeah, Chelsea have just scored here. Yeah, drug test for that man. Good finish. Good celebration. Lauren James esque running that way around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Lauren, the, yeah, the, the Lauren, the Lauren James self finish. No, yeah. the uh, the third goal. I re- the thing I really liked about the third goal was that Chelsea obviously spotted Earp starting to struggle a bit with her goal kicks, and they put. You know, one of the things I think is insanity from you know, is the way they were sort of doing it. Rather, they kept trying to take it long rather than trying to play it out. And I appreciate they were trying to get it up the pitch further forward, but Chelsea weren't going to sit and go press them. But as soon as you got to a situation where Nuskin can flick the ball on. Like, she's so very good in the air with her part, like her headed passing. And as soon as you saw a turn, you know, it was all like the, you could see it lighting up, you could see Lauren James thinking. And I think as soon as James got away, you were just thinking, right, this is it. Like, yeah, there's the hat trick. I, I have no doubt she was going to finish it. Like, you know, it, it's one of those things at this moment in time where she's so confident in front of goal. You're just sort of looking at it and you're thinking, like, you know, there, there's absolutely no chance you're going to miss this. And that that's what I really love about the finish is the fact that even though. Erps had come out, she couldn't really she put it right in the corner. She went for the finish that, you know, even if Erps had stayed in her line, she wasn't going to get anywhere near it. And I think it's just the sign of, you know, phenomenal player, high on confidence. And you know, again, it's going to be really fascinating to see between her and Bunny Shaw who does end up winning the uh, the golden boot because they appear to be, you know, and it seems to be anything that you can do, I can do better. And I'm really, really enjoying it, to be honest. I think people yeah, you know, as much as a miss Sam Kerr is, and I'm not going to pretend she isn't. I will say this season, I don't think Chelsea have seen the best out of Sam Kerr. And I do think in her absence this year, of her not playing necessarily as well as she could, right in being injured, you've seen people like James, Canarud, Beaver Jones all step up. And it's been like, you know, so impressive to see the other rest of the squad step up around them and show what they can do. Yeah, I mean, we've mentioned sort of on the show, we've seen Sam Moore as a link-up player this year. You know, we've seen more of that side to her game than perhaps... Um, we did previously with her goal scoring. Uh, Simon, you know, I like Mayor Letizia a lot, but when you can get her one-on-one like that, um, she does struggle and against Sam Kerr. She has Mary Earp struggled against Sam Kerr as well, and now they struggle against Lauren James, and it's just great that we've always got these players that can torment, you know, national favourites. It's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? I was worried beforehand that um, without Sam Kerr, whether... Um, Mary Earps, you know, her, her arch nemesis and who would score past her and who would chip past her. But 
yeah, it's brilliant. It was a really, really good game, and it it felt like a Chelsea Man United game. Men's, women's, it had that little bite to it, and us coming out on top. And the celebrations afterwards were were fantastic for a hat trick. My uh, my mate Mike Ball, who got the high five from her at the end. So every time I'm looking on whatever feed it is, I've seen a picture of him for days now. It was good. Yeah, it's one of those ones, wasn't it, where we were all on our feet. As soon as she got the ball, we knew what the result was going to be, didn't we? It was always going to be a goal. Yeah, not quite a... I don't want to call it a coming-of-age performance from her, but, you know, it certainly, you know, along with the World Cup, you know, sort of just highlights her brilliance. And as I mentioned, you know, a player that we can rely on to drag the game for us if we need to. You know, and this was, was absolutely superb, as you mentioned. You know, the stat from Harry, you know, more goals. Yeah, than, yeah, yeah, I've seen um, that. That was fantastic. Um, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, to have her, I think we're really lucky. And if we can get, you know, another striker... We might talk about this in part two that can play alongside her and keep her in that sort of inside forward role. Um, she's going to play a huge part in whatever we achieve uh, this season. Um, <clears throat> now, I do do a player of the match poll when we win. Um, it was uh, written Cameron with 3% who we've spoken about, Hannah Hampton 4% who we've spoken about. Uh, in second place, Erin Cuthbert 33%. Now, we haven't mentioned her much Um this podcast, um, Rob, she was absolutely everywhere. I don't think she's been at her best this season, but when it's a big performance and a big game, she always turns up for us. Oh, I mean, I, I personally am going to disagree in that. I think she's been a phenomenal season. Um, I've, you know, there was a reason why Ella Toon didn't touch the ball for about the opening 35 minutes, and that's because any time it came anywhere near her, Erin just said thank you and just took it away. Um she doesn't get the respect she deserves. Like I, I've sort of said it, like you know her being, and it, it you know it's not a crime because obviously it's an important thing. But her being Scottish, if she wasn't, you know, well, it's four 0 now. Cole Palmer's just scored. Um, if she wasn't, if she wasn't Scottish and she was in the Lionesses squad, you know, she'd be treated and revered as one of the elite midfielders in Europe. Um, I, I think she's phenomenal. Like I. It's, there's not one element of Erin's game I could think of that isn't a 7 out of 10 nowadays. Her attacking ability is brilliant. She can finish really well on both feet. She can win, play well in the air. Tackling, she's phenomenal. Work rate's phenomenal. I think it's the the attitude is what I love. Is the fact People said to me, you know, oh, will she be annoyed at the fact that um, she hasn't got the captain's armband for the day? And I thought, no, she won't because it's the sort of player she is. She'll just get on with it and do her job. And I think you saw you know, her today in her press. She said, it's an honour to have it. But ultimately, at the same time, every one of us needs to be leaders on the pitch. Every one of us knows what it means to be Chelsea and what it means to, you know, to be in charge here. And, yeah, I, I just love Erin Cuthbert. Like, uh, we used to call her the Scottish Messi. Nowadays, it should be the Scottish Kante. She is the closest thing I've seen in the women's game to N'Golo Kante. And that is, like, you know, considering the level I revere N'Golo Kante on as probably being the... probably the most transformative Chelsea signing in my lifetime in terms of... um impact uh, over a period besides maybe Aiden Hazard or Drogba, you know, that is some accolade to be. And I'm just delighted she's ours. Yeah, it's crazy to think when we started this podcast, she had just been transformed from a forward to a wing-back. <laughs> and we, when we interviewed Aaron's dad, um, Steve, for our Patreon series, 
you know, he said, you know, she started as a as a midfielder when I asked him about you know as a role I could see her in, and he said, yeah, it was where she started was a midfielder, and then she obviously moved there because of some injuries we had at the time, and never looked back. And you know, Buffer says you know the best midfielder in WSL, and I've got to agree with him, Simon. You know, she's she is phenomenal. She is couldn't agree more. She's my favourite. My dream team's made named after her, Cuthbert FC. She's my captain in that. She's amazing. And like Rob said, I don't think she gets the praise she deserves. Whether that's the position, she runs around, she tackles people, she gets tackled, she bounces straight back up again. We said before, didn't we? I'm, I'm sure she's made a rubber way she goes down. I, I thought for a moment that she was badly injured on Sunday, but no, gets back up, chases the ball again, wins the ball. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant player. Yeah, won the header for the first goal on the goal kick. Yeah, yeah. Where, I think she won four challenges in a row uh, and played the ball off. Um, you know, she put on Instagram, she had her legs in that recovery thing, you know, the big like ski boot things they put on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think she'll stay there until kickoff uh, tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, the only way that she wasn't going to win playing the match was if someone scored a hat-trick. Um, and as it happens, uh, Lauren James did, and she won the poll with 60% of the vote. Um, and, Rob, I suppose when you do score a hat-trick, um, you do deserve to win playing the match as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone can argue with it. I do, I do think at times, you know, what I saw, I like to call Garth Crooks syndrome. Of the whenever Garth Crooks does his team of the week on the BBC, regardless of how any player performs, if a player scores, inevitably that means they're getting in. Whether you know it was a three yard tap in because you know the winger beat 11, put beat you know 10 players twice, and the striker scored, and he'll be saying, What a great, you know, what a great goal that was. Um, or yeah, you know, but I think ultimately, like Lauren Jay was, you know, just the supreme, supreme footballer on the day. But I also, you know, again, I did say to you. I think Bjorn was really unlucky not to get in that, you know, in the list of four. Considering that was her full debut, considering the magnitude of the opponent she was against, I thought the quality and the composure, especially not only with the pass for the goal, but also just her general passing out from the back, the composure, the reading in the air, the general, you know, just control that she had over Lucia Garcia, who herself is a tricky customer. Um, And, you know, the way she was in the second half stepping up sort of further up the pitch to win challenges and stepping into the midfield, coming out from the back. I, you know, I was supremely impressed. It's one of those things for a centre-back, you know, perspective. It's very strange to say you were really impressed with them considering your team conceded on their debut. But I thought, you know, she gave, she she showed to everyone, if anyone wasn't sure, that she most certainly is Chelsea quality. And I think she'll turn out to be a very, very astute signing. Yeah, she was she was fantastic. Um, as a goalkeeper, I do wait the goalkeepers. You know, they get that nod. So that's why I've put Hampton on her sort of home debut uh, in the WSL ahead of her um, in the poll. Um, not that it would have made much difference. I mean, if anyone's read Simon's piece in this month's Kingsmanor Chronicle, they will know that he hates when goal scorers win player of the match. Uh, but Simon, in agreement with this one, though. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose she deserved it. I did vote for Erin, but just biased. But yeah, she deserved this one. We'll give it to her. Not that she actually gets anything. You know, there's no actual prize. No, there's no prize there. As with most things, uh, it's just well, I just say it. Um, now, talking of Kings Meadow Chronicle, if you haven't got your copy of issue eight, there is only 12 left um, available. Um, you can order them online at kingsmeadowchronicle.bigcartel.com. 
Uh, the new issue, uh, issue nine, will be available at the Everton game. Um, if everyone sends me their articles, um, to get that as well. So I'll be at the Everton game. Uh, get it for me in person or as that website again, Kings Meadow Chronicle. Dot bigcartel.com. Um, it's 36 pages of Chelsea FCW content and is much better value than a match day program, if I do say so myself. Uh, the link for all that will be in the description. Uh, we're going to be back after this short break to talk about um, the atmosphere and the day itself because I think the club deserve a bit of praise here uh, and talk about those transfer rumours that we've heard today uh, as well. So we'll be right back after this short break. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates, follow online commentary, listen to the radio. Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's match day problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Welcome back to part two of Went to Kings Better episode 116. Uh, now, people that know me know that I'm no, you know, not shy in putting the boot in the ownership uh, with things they get wrong. But I also think it's fair to um, praise them when things go right. Um, and Rob, I thought that this was the best match day experience that the club have had for Chelsea Women at Stamford Bridge. And they showed how quickly they've learned you know, lessons of even earlier this season with Liverpool and Tottenham on how to handle these occasions. Yeah, I mean, I, I have been pretty vocal on this as well. And like I have said that there's, like, you know, there are... Ultimately, it's going to take time to grow a fan base. Like, you know, you look at Arsenal two seasons ago, they were getting 5,000, 6,000 at the Emirates. But what they did was they sat, they committed time, they committed resources, and they gave their marketing team the ability and the quality to make it happen. Number two that Chelsea have done... Chelsea have now finally done that. Number two Chelsea have done, they've put someone in charge in Carly Telford who knows what the fans want. She goes out and listens to the fans and she makes sure the fans are listened to and what they want and matches happens. I, I, I know for a fact, you know, she was behind things like the Panini stickers and things like that being given away due to the connections. Just small things like that that I think are make it a greater match to experience and also just generally getting more fans in. Um I think they did much better with their way of advertising it by getting the players involved in the communications and, you know, some of the adverts for it. I think the two-for-one offers and the short-term offers were good uh, good decisions. Obviously, I do, I can appreciate, and I will say, from a season ticket point of view, it's a little bit frustrating when you see these offers happening when you've already, you know, obviously paid full price. However, that, I would say, on the other side of it is that, like, you know, 
I would have bought a ticket anyway, regardless due to my season ticket, because I love the club. I've been a season ticket holder now for you know, for multiple years. And, you know, come hell or high water, I was going to be there to beat Man United again. It, you know, it's just tradition now. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think the club deserve a lot of credit. And like to me now, you've got that milestone, I think it was like sort of 20,000, 22,000 the other day. I'd really love to see if they could get sort of 30, 35 for Arsenal or maybe even sell it out. I think Arsenal, because it's Emma Hayes' last WSL game at the bridge, it's Arsenal. It is, you know, the clash of the two great names in the WSL. And I would say probably if we win that, you're going to be in a situation in the league, hopefully where touch wood, you'll look at that and thinking, win that. And we might, you know, be able to say, put one hand on the league trophy um, because, you know, you can open up large gaps and things like that. Uh, I would really like to see them, you know, really push and really put the effort in. And I think they've done... They've done similar for Madrid. I understand for Madrid, they've got more fans in there for that than they have for some of the other Champions League games. But I think now it needs to be a real concerted effort to push on. You've got a good start now. You've got a good basis. Now, it's really time to kick on and make sure you make it a, reg- a regular occurrence. Yeah, um, absolutely. I know Simon, you know, me and you sort of disagree with Stamford Bridge. You know, you're the one that sort of hasn't been keen on it. And I you know, obviously do believe it's the future of the team to be there. Um but what did you sort of, and obviously you've got the family as well, so different age groups, different opinions, you know, make of the match day experience because a lot more going on this game, a lot more fans in the ground because of the way they ticketed, you know, marketing the tickets and stuff like that. Um, you know, I thought it was a, you know, a raging success and the atmosphere was 10 times better than what we witnessed against West Ham at Kings Meadow. Um, yeah, best game, best game we've been to at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Result-wise, the extra stuff, we, we actually did the um, player arrival as well. And they, they seem to have sort of vamped that up a bit as well. They had a guy, I think he does sort of warm-up for TV shows. You've seen him on sort of Ant and Deck and things like that. And he was um, comparing it. And he was the guy that was doing the stuff at half-time and before the game as well. So that seemed to work. Um what did we do? We did the, the Nike zone thing beforehand because we got there a bit early and the kids managed to get T-shirts and the, the sticker swapping that the kids are doing. It was good. Yeah, yeah. And it, it shows that they are listening as well. Sometimes you think they're not listening to us and and stuff like that. And like Rob said, it must be. We we didn't do the, uh, the season tickets. We just took advantage of the, the two-for-one. But for people that have paid full price, for those offers to come along. Although I know two people that had got the £50 tickets in the West End and they'd managed to get a refund on theirs because they were doing the two-for-one offer. So they are, they're trying. They're trying. Give them their due. Yeah, I mean, I've obviously bought the season ticket at the start of the year, as, as Rob did. You know, if they didn't do any offers, I'd go anyway um, to those games. Uh, you know, I'm not there their target demographic for inviting new fans because I already am an existing one. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously it is a bit disappointing when you do see these offers and especially when Free UK are offering them as well. But, you know, that's a, a different subject matter. Uh, but, you know, we want as many fans in the ground as possible. You know, uh, my work friend took his daughter. Uh, they do. He's a Man United fan. Uh, and she loves the Lionesses. Um, she was wearing a Mary Epps goalkeeping shirt, but... They're going to come back for the Arsenal game because they enjoy the experience together. Um, you know, which is obviously you know all pointing in the right direction. And and Robert, you said you know Carly Telford played a huge role in that and should get the praise that should come away from from all angles. And I've seen huge amounts for the Arsenal game already advertising that one and the tickets for that. 
I think I think that's it. And I, I you know, again, I'm not in the target demographic that they are sort of looking at, but I do think, you know, I sort of said it Arsenal had the one of the real greatest um, you know, managerial or managerial marketing gimmies you could have a couple of years ago in that they had the Euros win coinciding with the fact that they had the England captain playing for them and the golden boot and golden ball winner playing for them in Mead and Williamson. It's suddenly very, very easy for you to market around that. Chelsea haven't done enough marketing on a wider scale of the names that they have. And I think the penny finally dropped after this summer's World Cup. Just the amount of star power that's in the Chelsea squad from a marketing perspective. You've got one of the players that could go down, but then Lauren Jones potentially is the greatest English player of all time. You've got Sam Kerr, who I think it's fair to say is probably the Australian athlete of her generation. Or if not, you know, in the top three Australian athletes of her of her generation. You've got Millie Bright, who is, you know, now the second, only the second uh, England, a certain, a certain English person to have captained their team in a World Cup final. You've got players across the pitch, names that are, you know, Katarina Macario, who, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to when Katarina Macario is fit. People haven't quite realised the level of quality and, you know, what Chelsea signed on a free transfer here. You're, you're talking about one of the best players in world football. Um on a free transfer. It is absurd and unbelievable. And I really want to see them keep pushing on with that. You've especially got situations now where you've got people like Fischl, who's such a rising name in the American market. You've got, you know, dominance in the Swedish market with Bjorn, with Musovic, with Johanna Rittin-Kanerud, um, Norway with Guru Wright. And they need to use the European markets more effectively because there are fans of Chelsea all over the globe and fans of Chelsea all over the country. And they will come to games if you make it accessible and you make it available to them. Yeah, I mean, when I stand, you know, and sell the fanzines next to one of the stalls that sell the scarves and stuff like that, they have uh, Millie Bright, Frank Kirby, Lauren James, and Sam Kerr as the four female players. Um, I mean, they sold out of Lauren James pretty early. Uh, Sam Kerr was you know closely second, and you see a lot of Australians coming in, you know, with the Australian shirts on to to watch Sam Kerr. Obviously, she's injured now, but hopefully, she signs that extension and we get to see her back next year. Because she's a huge, you know, huge selling point, and um, looking forward to more games next year at Stamford Bridge. Obviously, the Champions League this year as well, still to come. Hopefully, uh, with a win tomorrow. Uh, now we should quickly move on to uh, some transfer rumours that that broke today. Uh, we'll start with the outgoing Simon in Jesse Fleming, and while it's probably not a huge shock to anyone. Uh, for me, very upsetting because she's a player that I love watching and uh, I think she's been underutilised at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've seen the best of her. Um, I remember going back to a uh, a podcast that you did with um, Mia Eriksson. remember her talking about if you want to see the best of Jessie Fleming, look how she plays for Canada. And we've never seen that side a few glimpses but the, the whole family's devastated tonight to be honest the kids had seen it sort of on their phones and as they come out from school and whatsapping pictures of her crying and and things yeah very upsetting very upsetting that one yeah i mean rob for me she's always been you know someone i'd love to play as an eight you know in a free midfield and just something that chelsea haven't really done under emma hayes and maybe just a profile that never really fitted as well as you wanted it to. And 
as you mentioned earlier, you know, not a huge shock that, that she's you know, looking on and she's 25. Portland Thorns have got a great player and that's why they're willing to pay, you know, big money for her. Yeah, I mean, for first, I don't think Chelsea can say they haven't, like, you know, given Fleming enough chances to show what she can do. I sort of tweeted it earlier. I think she's been a bit of a victim of circumstance. I mean, er- as I sort of said in the tweet, Erin Cuthbert is Erin Cuthbert. And, you know, when she's fully fit, she's a shoe-in on the team sheet. Then you've got whoever partners are in that midfield. When Melanie Leopold is fully fit, I think people have forgotten quite how good she is. Like, you know, a few years ago, Leopold was just the de facto every single game, right? She's going to play. She's going to play, you know, the majority of the minutes because of how good she is. And I think you saw that against Manchester United as well. Um, Nuskin has adapted a lot quicker to the English game than I think some people thought she might have. Uh, and again, I think some people maybe thought she was going as a centre-back. She's always been, you know, planned to play hard at the pitch. So that immediately means in that deeper role, you're sort of, you can't see a spot for Fleming. Then you're looking in that number 10 role, which is sort of sometimes where she gets to play for Canada in that sort of advanced eight, sort of 10 role. She's competing with Kirby, Lauren James. We haven't even seen Kat Macario yet, but Kat Macario. Um, Yelena Shankovic. And you could even play Wrighton in there as well. So I think it's sort of one of those situations, you're sort of looking at it where you're saying, so much of the discourse about Jesse Fleming, and this might sound a little bit harsh, and I mean this in sort of the, the most objective way possible, so much of the discourse has been about what she can do, not about what she does. And I think at times that has been like, you know, the big causality for me is that you've lost a little bit out of it. You want to just see that little bit more from um, Fleming, that little bit extra in in self-confidence, I think almost. You know, she had loads of chances where I sort of saw her and I thought, you know, you've got a good strike on you. You can take it on from 25 yards. You can take it on from sort of, you know, 20 yards. And she would pass it or she'd go sideways or go backwards. And... Yeah, just a little bit disappointed, really. Um, but, you know, we'll always have great memories. Again, one that particularly sticks out for me is that rocket against Tottenham. Uh, I was there behind uh, Anne Catherine Berger's goal on that day at the other end of the pitch, just shouting shoot when she saw that yard of space. And it was a phenomenal hit. And, yeah, she's going to the Portland Thorn. She's going to play with the Canadian, you know, the Canadian goat in uh, Christine Sinclair. Janine Becky was one of the best friends in football. Can only wish her well. And, yeah, we'll also say with Fleming... She was one of the players that, from a fan's point of view, she would always have time for the fans. Um, you know, numerous games I've been at where she would come over and do signatures and photos and stay there for an awful long time. So, you know, very, very good player, parts on really good terms and very, very sort of, you know, thankful for the memories, I think is the best way to describe it. Yeah, gave away a lot of shirts uh, at West Ham. Maybe we should have seen this one uh, coming. Um, you know, we'll always have, you know, the day that Jesse Fleming scored was one of our podcasts when she scored her first goal against Man United. Yes, beat them six one. The, Je- the Jesse Fleming goal clacks and will you know yeah. also forever be remembered. Uh, LSV. So you know, uh, Portland fans got a new supporter anyway uh, in me because I hope Jesse Fleming does really well there. Um, and then an incoming. You know, there's been questions whether Chelsea would sign a striker given Sam Kerr's injury. Uh, obviously they've got Hamano and Macario coming back from injury. Uh, but Rob, it seems that um, Mayruf Ramirez, uh, a Colombian striker from Levante, um, rumored to be uh, joining up with the squad. Yeah, I did wonder when we'd uh, go after Myra Ramirez again. Most of Emma's like summer transfer business were players that she said, "Oh, I really like them at the World Cup." And uh, if you look at some of Emma's quotes about Myra Ramirez, you can tell she was really impressed by the player. Um, I love it as a signing. Uh, I watch a fair bit of Liga F and she's quick. She's tall. She's strong. She's a great finisher. She can finish with both feet. 
Um, she's young. Her movement off the ball is something really, really special for a big player. She is very, very quick, is very mobile, is very agile, runs the channels, can dribble really well. Her and Lauren James are a team together. You know, the prospect of her, Lauren James, and Katarina Macario at some point in the front three is extremely, extremely fun. Like, you know, just from a sheer defensive, like, it's going to be a nightmare for defenders, the amount they're going to move between them. But it's going to be very, very fun to watch from a neutral perspective. And I, uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's, firstly, I also want to say it's sad from a Levante point of view because ultimately they are a victim of the fact that the um, club ownership has not managed their finances very well and the owner has chosen to neglect a very strong women's side. And consequently, there are some real bargains to be had. Ramirez being one of them, Alba Redondo being another, Maria Mendes being another. And I just think that, it, you know, it's sad to see that happen, but at the same time, ultimately being a bit cutthroat, if you told me that we were going to trade Jesse Fleming effectively for getting Mario Ramirez into the squad, I think it balances the squad out a little bit more because I think we're a bit top-heavy in the midfield. And it also gives us a real, real quality experience, Sam Kerr replacement. Yeah, it's the exciting time. So, you know, I'm one that just watches Chelsea. Um, but I did see a, a highlight reel someone posted. And, you know, uh, as always, you know, I could make one for myself and look good. But, you know, she does look like a great a great player. And uh, hopefully this one, you know, does come true and the club announce it officially. Uh, and it seems like we've got a great signing here. Yeah. Um, don't know anything about her, to be honest. Same as you, just watch Chelsea. But Rob's just sold her to me completely. Yeah. Where do I sign up? Yeah, happy to chip in with a transfer fee. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rob's recommendation there. Uh, and then Rob, sort of the second transfer, I'm not sure uh, if um, how, how true this one is. You know, she's a player that Chelsea fans have been asking for for a long time anyway. And um, this one would outweigh the heartbreak of Jesse Fleming leaving is that uh, Lena Oberdorf signing. Yeah. Chelsea scouted Lena Oberdorf and have liked Lena Oberdorf for a long, long time. They tried to buy her originally when she was a youngster um, in Germany. They have ultimately, uh, they ultimately couldn't get the deal done at the time when she went to Wolfsburg. But now they are seeing a point that her uh, contract is up in 2025, and they are trying to position themselves to be, you know, the place she goes to in the summer, um, if not earlier. I'd be very surprised if it happened in the January window, but I think Chelsea are trying to position themselves for it for the summer window, regardless of whatever happens, you know, um, with the coach and regardless of what happens, because they see Oberdorf as such a quality player. And, you know, from my perspective, the idea of a Oberdorf Cuthbert, say Leopold's three in the midfield, I think on paper is one of the strongest I've ever seen in the WSL, if not one of the strongest I've ever seen in sort of, you know, in, uh, in the world, in all honesty. Um, She's a phenomenal player, and I, th- I think Chelsea will push to try and get this done when the time is right. She's someone they've liked for a long time, and certainly Chelsea are further ahead than some of the other clubs in terms of interest in her. Yeah, almost entering FIFA territory here. We go with signing you know, great players uh, almost at will, and signing it's great yeah, even with Emma Hayes. You know, we know she's leaving at the end of the season. Uh, we don't know who the replacement is, although it's not Casey Stoney, who's just signed a new deal uh, at San Diego. Um, but we can still get these players, you know, interested in, in, in signing for the club. You know, it puts us in great stead for the future. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking today when I, I read about it. It's to be the first sort of post-MRA signing, wasn't it, really? And she was um, 
she really impressed me during the Euros, Oberdorf. So it'll be, yeah, be a good good signing for Chelsea. I saw a post earlier on about it and imagine Zellem and Toon's faces when they see Erin Cuthbert and Oberdorf running towards them next season, backed up by loopholes. Scary stuff, but good stuff. We can have the German national team midfield for the next 10 years. Um, yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. that Leopold, he's retired, but yeah. um, you know what I mean. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah I think that is uh, all we're going to get through tonight. Um, obviously, we've got Real Madrid tomorrow, um, but by the time you listen to this, you know, anything we'd say about that match will probably be proven wrong, uh, or what I say anyway. Uh, we will be back on Friday to review that Real Madrid game at the moment. I think it's just, um, I don't know who's going to be actually on Friday. Uh, Rich Bates, actually. I think that's it, uh, but we'll see. Um, Simon, good to see you again. Um, I'm not there tomorrow, but are you at, up to see you at Brighton? Uh, yeah, be at Brighton. Uh, not there tomorrow ourselves. We're going to take in the London bit of scouting. Actually, going to see Crystal Palace against London City tomorrow night. Nice little local game for us. Well, I've been travelling up to Stamford Bridge again, but watch it on the phone. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to see you. Good to see you, Rob, as well. Good show. Thank you very much. Good to see you too. Yeah, and Rob, I promise not to leave it another season. Uh, <laughs> no, say, I'll see you at more of the game. I'll, I'll see you at a game before then, so I'm sure I'll... Yeah. Uh... I'll be ch- I'll be chasing you down for it. Um, though I, I am there tomorrow, so if anyone does see me tomorrow and wants to tell me why my opinions on here were wrong, please, you know, go ahead. Just as long as you buy me a cup of tea first. Yeah, well, that was expensive to tell you Rob was wrong. Just say it was right, in my opinion. Price of the tea. <laughs> uh, extortionate. Um, but, you know, Rob, always a pleasure to hear your insight, and uh, thanks for joining us again. Pleasure. Uh, now, if you do love what we do and you want to help support the show, remember you can sign up to our Patreon. Uh, the You can become a season ticket holder for £5 a month and it helps us do things like Mixler uh, for those that are listening live, um, pay for the Zoom meetings and the editing software that it needs to put this show together. Uh, the link for that is patreon.com forward slash And if you want to join a community of like-minded Chelsea fans and talk about all things Chelsea, you can join our Discord uh, the link for that will be in the description box. Uh, thank you for listening, and until next time, from Stafford Bridge to Revolution. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 